The Beef and Dairy Network is sponsored by Mole, the new mole-based cattle feed from Mitchell's. Mole is the world's only commercially available feed made entirely from moles. We all know that cattle love to eat moles, but with their big blunt muzzles and useless hooves, a cow can often struggle to catch one. So why not let us do it for them? We find only the plumpest moles and pulverize them into a nutritious feed, which your herd will go crazy for. For 10% off your first order of Mole, turn your face to the sky and sweetly sing a song long forgotten. And welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and printed magazine, brought to you by Mole, the world's only mole-based cattle feed. This month saw the publication of the Beef Institute's annual Healthcare Attitude Survey, The survey asked over 30,000 people working in the beef and dairy industries about their beliefs around healthcare and yielded some notable discoveries. Among them, the revelation that 67% of workers think that ingrowing toenails are a sign of witchcraft and and 87% said that kidney stones are, and I quote, a gift from a vengeful God given in return for a life of wanton sin, calumny, lust, envy and greed, a righteous gift of justice, wrapped not in colourful paper, but in tender kidney meat. That's right, 87% of people said that specific thing, those specific words. In general, the views of the beef and dairy industry workers were found to be very antiquated compared to the population at large, with many believing hearsay and old wives' tales about health matters. To find out more, and to bust some of those medical myths, I spoke to television GP Dr Sam Archer best known for BBC Two's Lunchtime Prescription and Channel 5's The Great Big British Jubilee Prolapse Live. I began by asking him whether this antiquated attitude about health issues in workers from the beef and dairy industries is something that is evident to him. So, yes. Let me give you a bit of background just so you know what we're talking about here. So we're talking about medical myths, what people used to call old wives' tales. This actually uh, doesn't stem from the idea that um, that there were stories that were passed around by uh, the older generation. It, it comes from the fact that actually, sort of in, in around sort of the, the, the ninth or tenth century, when viewed in the dark, many people would think that a cow was an was an old wife. Right, and it was of course believed that that cows had healing powers. Yes. And so, so that's where it stems from, is these old... And so you would look, and you, so you'd see this old wife, and then round the back you'd find the tail. Right. Um, and so old wives' tales, like these sort of medical myths and things, they were, that was actually in reference to uh, seeing a cow at night. Right. So sort of, if, if you like, ever since then, uh, uh, medical myths and, and rumours and things like that have been forever connected with the, with the beef industry. I see, I see. So you're saying there's a historical link between the idea of a kind of bullshit notion of how to treat your illness Mm. and beef. Well, I mean, what have you just said? Once again, you see every single phrase to do with sort of inaccuracy or or being inaccurate comes from the beef industry. You just said bullshit uh, because people used to think that various diagnoses could come from having a, a bull 
shit on you right. and then sort of looking through the uh, the fecal matter and and discovering the ailments within and of course um people talk about quacks yes quack doctors and a quack is the sound that a duck makes when a cow by mistake sort of walks backwards onto it well yeah you, you've read up on this uh, that's uh, that, that, that's that's exactly the case so we know that there's a number of, as you put it, old wives' tales yeah. out there that people who work in my industry seem to be holding on to, you know, as as the rest of the population seems to be sort of letting them go. Mm. It feels very old-fashioned. What we've done here is I've got a list of these medical myths that are very common amongst in, in the beef industry. Mm-hmm. And as a doctor, I just want to put them to you and you can tell okay. us whether there's any truth in any, in any of these things. Let's get, let's get myth-busting. Medical Mythbusters with the star of Embarrassing Penis, Car Crash Anus, Celebrity Euthanasia Live, Cry Yourself Thin, Friday Night X-Ray, What's Up Your Ass Edition, 24 Hours to Save My Genitals, Rash Decisions, and Transplant Tombola Live. It's Dr. Sam Archer. This is one that everyone will know at home. Uh, we, we all know the phrase, a cow's lick can cure all ills. Yes. Uh, you know, many people have that, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, embroidered and, and up in their home, for example. Yeah. Um, and that, that, of course, was something that the doctors used to have to swear to back back in the 15th century, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not currently in the Hippocratic Oath, is it? Not at all. No. Um, so I'm not going to deny that there are certain things which a cow's lick can be beneficial for. Um, so this used to come from the fact that, you know, people who were going on a big night out, they would want to make their hair look nice. And so they'd get a, a, a cow to lick the top of their head, sort of give it a, a, a glazed wet look quality. Sort of quiff. Exactly. Exactly. Tinted. Think of tinted, something like that. Yeah. Um, probably the most famous example of that is is Elvis. He would get a cow to lick his hair to create that... Um... That kind of big cliff. Yeah. Wow, really? Mm, that was uh, how he got known but before every show. What, just out the back, there'd be a cow? He'd bring the cow with him? Frequently. Oh, yes. Yeah, it would always be his cow. That was crucial. Right, okay. Mm. Elvis basically encompassed every part of a cow in his life. So if you like, if you think he got the hairstyle from the cow, um, his da- famous dance moves uh, were inspired by seeing a newborn uh, a baby, a baby calf uh, trying to walk and that kind of juddery hips and then of course sort of towards later in his life he would try to sort of commune with cows by just ingesting as much cow meat as possible in the in the form of cheeseburgers which is uh, you know ultimately how he how he met his demise as well it's very sad uh, i wonder if he was still alive today whether he would be mooing or whether he would he would sort of just go, have gone to live with the cows do you think he was on a sort of on a journey to because you know there was that time you know he was well known for wearing full body leather jumpsuits essentially yes exactly he was essentially creating a sort of cow body for himself exactly um yeah i'm not sure how much of this will be covered in the in the biopic the uh, the basil Lerman biopic but you know the, the, for those who knew him and for those who know the the beef industry they know that there was a strong link between the two i never i never realized and if you think about his songs, um, You Were Always On My Mind, one of his most famous songs, was actually about a Frisian that he once saw um, that he thought was particularly particularly nice. Are there any other examples you can give us of, of Elvis songs that show this link? 
um, Are You Lonesome Tonight um, was uh, was originally sung to a cow. In fact, if you can think of any Elvis song that's sort of wistful or, or sort of melancholic and romantic, that's that's usually, um, you know, he would, he would be singing that to, to some some kind of cow. Really? So we, we, you know, you'd imagine it's probably sung to some young woman. You know, that's what you imagine... Mm-hmm. You do, but but in actual fact, I mean, some of them were even recorded. That they set up the recording studio so he'd be within eye line of a cow, uh, so he could he could see it and he could channel those emotions. And you can hear it in the recording. You can really hear it in those original vinyl pressings. Um, there's a there's a real emotionality that I think he only was able to achieve by sort of that yearning. He famously wrote the song "Love Me Tender" uh, from the point of view of a cow, because Elvis believed that the more uh, you loved a cow the more tender its meat became. Wow. Um, wow. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So we've kind of gone a bit off topic here, talking about Elvis. Sorry, it's all yeah, fascinating, yeah. Though. It's very interesting stuff. So, you know, as, you, mm. as you've alluded to, a cow would lick his hair sometimes and, and create yep. that, that hairstyle. Yes, yeah. Um, so, so what you're saying really is that a cow's lick can be a useful thing. Yes, that's a good distinction. Uh, useful, I'd say, but not um, medicinal. Myth Busted. Okay, next myth. Mm. A diet of nothing but different weights of butter is the best Mm. way to live a long life. Now, this is one we hear all the time. Yep. The the news will find someone who's 110 years old and they'll say, what's your secret? And they'll say, all I eat is butter. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's become one of those truisms, isn't it? There's a good reason for that. You know why they call them truisms? Because they're true. So this is a real, this isn't a myth. The trouble is when people sort of um, have unhealthy lifestyles, unhealthy diets, is they'll have butter on bread, they'll have uh, sort of buttery food, they'll have greasy foods, those kind of things. What's the problem? It's not the butter or the grease, it's the food. So what you want to be doing is removing that so then you're really streamlining your diet just to the tastiest um the best part of the meal, which which in this case is the butter. Mm. And what you want to be doing is, um, obviously, I don't know if you know much about how, how metabolisms work, but you constantly want to be shocking the system. So you want to sometimes give it a full pat of butter. Sometimes sometimes you want to get just one of those little little packs like you get at a restaurant with um, with a basket of bread. Mm. So you're constantly mixing up the proportions, constantly mixing up. Well, we've had an email from Friedel. Uh, oh, yeah. He writes, my grandfather Hans Rustenberger is now 130 years old. Congratulations. Congratulations, Hans. Uh, one of his biggest regrets is not killing Hitler when he had the chance. Oh, no. He was a high-ranking Nazi official during the war, and killing Hitler would have put him in the picture for the top job. That went, um, that went left when I, th- I thought it was uh, going straight on there. Interesting. Bit of colourful history there. Um, yeah. Uh, Friedel writes, since he fled Europe for Argentina... He has lived on nothing but butter, a heavy butter for breakfast, a light lunch butter at midday, and then some almost liquid warmed butter before bed. He shows no signs of dying. We have a family joke that he'll live forever. Yours, Friedel. Yeah, so what's your take on that? Ah, well, I mean, it sounds like he's done the the absolute dream, which is he's combined a a butter-heavy diet with um, a a life laden with guilt. Um, And if you can balance those two perfectly, then uh, you'll find that the the, the guilt really... um, Helps break down the, the the proteins of the butter. Helps helps you digest it a lot a lot a lot better. And so so yeah, I would say with that perfect balance, once again hard to achieve. I don't think you yeah, there's a chance he could live forever medically. I mean, vis a vis him living forever, I, I would of course be passing this on 
this email on to Interpol and and whatever authorities. Yes. And hopefully we'll get that old Nazi um, good and hanged. God willing. But you're saying that if he escapes the noose, his his guilt that he carries mm-hmm. will actually help him achieve that longevity. Yes. I, I, see, I have a lot of um, elderly uh, patients and I will usually sort of, they'll come in with an ailment and I will give them um, a, tub of, a tub of butter and I will tell them to sort of think about maybe someone that they've wronged and just dwell on that for, for the rest of their days. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of them are now well into their 90s. Okay. And someone who doesn't carry that kind of guilt with them through their life, mm. um, how does that affect their longevity? Well, that's the trouble, isn't it? Living a, living a guilt-free life and eating healthily is probably the, the worst thing you can do for, for sort of a, a long life. So you'll sort of die early but regret-free? Those are your options, really. You can sort of live guilt-free and die young or, you know, if you want a longer life, just really, really torture yourself with that guilt. Really, yeah, really really get some, some real guilt going on there. The Queen Mother, of course, lived to 101. Um, yep. So we assume then she was feeling some deep guilt. She did some awful things. God bless her. So for that myth, um, you're saying it isn't a myth? No, I'm saying... That's not uh, a myth busted, that's a myth trusted. Myth trusted. (laughs) Okay, next myth. Getting kicked in the head by a cow can stop a headache. Um, Once again, kernels of truth in this. Um, Partially because obviously being kicked in the head by a cow can just straight up kill you. So no headache anymore there. Um, or yeah, you know, can lead to a concussion or or um, being unconscious. Once again, no, no headache. Mm. Obviously, um, I would say if you are going to be kicked in the head by a cow, um, it is best to have a headache beforehand because if, if you don't have a headache beforehand, if you get kicked in the head by a cow, you will have one after. Well, yes, we've had a, a letter in from Gavin Taylor from Sunderland. Oh, yeah. He said, I had a headache that wouldn't go away. Uh, my oh. wife suggested we try and get a cow to kick me in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, after hours of trying, we finally yeah. managed to get one to connect. Um, my headache went away for a short period of time while mm. I was unconscious. Right. When we finally did get a cow to mm. kick me in the head, the pain did go away while I was unconscious for a short period of time. However, once I came back into consciousness, uh, mm-hmm. a new headache started we had to find yeah. a new cow to kick me in the head and the vicious cycle began. Mm. Now, that seems to to chime with what you're saying there. Thank you, Gavin, yes. by the way, for that letter. I hope, um, I assume you weren't writing that to us whilst hunting for another cow to kick you in. I hope you broke that cycle somehow. And maybe, Dr. Sam, you could tell us about how he might be able to break that cycle if he is still within it. Uh, so, so yeah, like I say, it's an inexact science um, is dealing with the headaches in this way. And I would say avoid where possible, unless you're in a field with no access to um, uh, paracetamol ibuprofen. All you have is a cow that definitely has back legs and back legs strong enough to render you unconscious. Then go for it. Um, and if you are going oh, to do you that, really think go for it? Well, if you literally have no other option, right. like in, in, in these situations, you know, if you have to make do, I'd say try it that way. The best way to make a cow um, kick backwards is to try and dr- dress up or make yourself look like a, a door, like a, a, a barn door. Then it will try and escape, and that'll that that'll hit you. But um, but I would say only in an emergency should you really try that. Okay, so it sort yeah. of does work, but you may as well try some less damaging options like like a painkiller if those options are open to you and what about the downsides you know gavin in his email we're not entirely sure how he's doing but it sounds like he might still be caught in a cycle of 
continually finding cows to kick him in the head. Is that something you can break out of? I mean, I'm going to say no. Once once you're on that path, it's very hard to get off of it. I would. My hope is that maybe he finds that the right cow with the strong enough back legs that sort of finally is, is the last jolt that he needs to mm. get him out of that. But those cows are very rare. And also, I think it's probably a bit of a knife edge as to whether that is the final thing you ever experience. Exactly, exactly. I'd say there's the, the margin of error between being kicked in the head by a cow so that you no longer have a headache and just and just it, it caving in your skull. That's about that's about I'd say almost about half a percent. Mm. Is that is that really worth it at the end of the day? Yeah. Wow. So I guess with that myth then, you're saying that it's not necessarily a myth, but it's one that you wouldn't necessarily want to indulge. Is that is that a good summation? Yes. Uh if I can if I can just do yeah, you know, sort of a little uh, mnemonic for you to remember. Oh yes. Just please. Re- yeah, just remember cow. Okay. Cow. Sorry, not a mnemonic, it's an initialism. C O W. C O W which is uh, so just come on yeah, and then go, oh, don't be doing that. And then, well, maybe sometimes. So that's just how you remember that. Okay, give, give me that again. So you've got... Okay, so you go, so cow. C. Come on. O. Oh, don't be doing that. W. Well, maybe it'll work. Okay, mm. good. Thank you. So it, it's hard for me to know whether we've busted the myth here or we're trusting the myth. Well, I guess... Is there, is there a sting for that? Is there a sting for like... like partially the, the, busted, partially trusted. I like it. I can put that together. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Partially busted, partially trusted. No! Will he make it, Doctor? It's too early to say. You never truly respected me. More after this. Summer is packed with activities, so if you're a business owner, you don't want to spend your free time sorting through unqualified candidates. Instead, you could be, for example, in your garden, in a paddling pool, full of ice-cold milk. That's why you need ZipRecruiter to find great candidates. They do the work for you by using their technology to find the right candidates for your job, and you can invite your top choices to apply. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash beef. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash beef. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, next myth. A good way to manage chicken pox. Oh, yeah. Is to intentionally get cow pox. Right. Um, some of the antigens that you get from cow pox can help fight chicken pox, but they are different and it is possible to get cowpox then chickenpox what people don't realize and what the medical profession has tried to keep quiet for some time is that basically there's a pox for every animal in in the barnyard you know if you think about old mcdonald had a farm every single one of them has a pox the most common is chickenpox the second most common is cowpox then you got lambpox roosterpox um, and it, it goes all the way down to field mouse pox, and all of them can, you know, can add to the other. So you can end up getting um, spider pox, uh, and then that can lead on to lamb pox. Do you remember that? The, um, there's actually a rhyme which um, started off as a, as a guide to the correct order in which to get the poxes, right. which then sort of over time became, I don't know if you've heard, the, the old woman who swallowed a fly. Oh, I see, yeah. So that's Perhaps she'll off. die. <laughs> 
of these boxes. Exactly, exactly. The joke being that um, she will because she's doing them in the reverse order that you should get the boxes. Right. So she had the fly, the spider, the bird, the cat, the dog, the, the cow, the horse. Whereas actually, you'd ideally do that in reverse order, and, that, and then that's that's the best order in which to catch those boxes. So horse box first. Yep. That then gives you what a, a bit of protection for when you get cow pox. Cow pox. Which then helps you out when you get the dog pox. Yes. And then which cushions the blow of cat pox. Yes. Which by the time you get bird pox, mm-hmm. barely touches the sides. Exactly. And then what's next? Uh, so uh, then it's spider pox. And spider pox, which you barely feel. Fly either, pox. And then fly, yep. you know, yeah. And I assume this came about because at some point in history, mm. somebody walked into a farmyard and said, a pox on all your houses. Exactly. I mean, that, that, that's the, the best research that we know suggests that that's exactly what happened. Someone said, pox on all your houses. Obviously, not all the animals have technically have houses, but they all have like a barn or a kennel or something. And that, yeah. I'm guessing whatever curse they did sort of translated it and, and so put a, put a pox on them. It's amazing to think it's that simple to create, you know, poxes mm-hmm. which have been around thousands of years literally just go and say that to someone and actually that's the only crime that uh, in britain carries the death penalty so in terms of this specific myth then that's circulating that a good way to manage chicken pox is to get cow pox yeah that's missing the mark yes if someone is listening and does have chicken pox yeah obviously they've gone in at the middle of the scale so do you yes. want to be going up to because mm. that's bird so do you want to be going yep. up to cat or down to spider i guess is the big question good question um you want to work outwards you'd be starting with bird right and then you would be going uh to you you do cats is that right and then um and then cow so you're working sort of out outwards alternately um sorry so yep yeah. so if if you've got a chicken pox which of course is a kind of bird pox bird pox the next up yes is cat pox is cat pox so you do so you're working outwards alternately so you're going you do cat and then you skip dog no then you go spider on the other side oh i see okay and then you do dog right and then you do fly and then you do cow and then you do horse sure and 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 mm. obviously if you're somewhere on that scale it's quite easy to work out how you sort of get off that scale by getting the poxes in the right order yes what happens if you're getting one of the poxes that doesn't appear on the on that scale for example hog pox uh, you know, which, right. which is rampant amongst, you know, everyone sends their kids off to school and before you know it, they come back. How is your day, darling? Oh, it's fine, mm-hmm. but I'm covered in hog pox. Um, that's yeah. not on the scale there. So it's not obvious where you go next, which pox to get next to try and neutralize the pox you've got. It's it's very hard there. You need to go by weight. So you need to go, um, how much does the hog weigh uh, and what's that equivalent to? So it, it would depend on the hog, obviously, but it could be somewhere between a, a dog and a cow. Right, so you're yeah. you're there on the scale. I see. You define yourself on the scale and then try and work alternately up and down to work outwards. Working alternately outwards, as we discussed. But if you start at the bottom, i.e., fly, or at the top, horse, you just go mm-hmm. straight through in a, in a linear fashion, just in the opposite direction. Exactly. Exactly. And what if you get a pox of something that's bigger than a horse? So let's say an orca. Orca pox. Oh it's pretty rare, but it happens. It does happen. Well, okay, so you've gone very high up the scale and obviously there's, there's animals in between. So you then unlock the sort of the, 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 the second tier of this, which obviously goes um, to go down. You've got orca and then you've got elephant and then you've got giraffe. Then you've got hippo. Oh, so you're basically finding yourself back onto that scale using weights again. Exactly. And then, and then under hippo's horse and then, then as before. 
So I mean, obviously, you know, the most extreme example of this is is blue whale pox. Yeah. Um, I mean, just try and avoid that. The number of poxes you're going to have to get to get from blue oh, whale down yeah, to yeah. just a horse, and then you've got you you know, horse yeah, is just so the beginning, really, in a way. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. I please avoid that, please. Uh, we've had a, a letter from Susan from Bristol. Oh yes. Uh, she said I had chicken pox. Um, oh no. She said she wasn't expecting it to be too bad, and to begin with, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Then I got fox pox. Oh, no. And grain pox. Oh, no. Yes. And uh, she says, I don't think I need to write anything else. So she's basically got the worst combination of poxes there. So getting rid of them is, um, it's a bit of a faff because you need to, obviously, if you leave the, the, the fox pox and the, and, and the, the, the chicken pox together, um, they will, they'll create a sort of super pox, then the grain, the grain pox and the chicken. So, um Sadly, the only um, uh, the only sort of cure for this is to try and catch raft pox and river pox, and then it sort of it all works itself out eventually. Great. So the the myth was a good way to manage chicken pox is to get cow pox. Yeah, that was wrong. That is a myth. That is a myth. It, remember, it's just the orders that I've said. Um, following either way, alternately out from the centre or from wherever you have um, whatever pox you currently have working out was from there. Alternately, you know, just wait it out. Should be should be fine in about ten days. And you know, if you if you find yourself itching, just have a, a lukewarm bath. Great. Myth busted. No! Okay, not last couple. There's two here, but I'd say they're linked. So these are linked oh, okay. linked myths. Now we've all heard this one um, around around the Christmas party season. Oh no! Get drunk in a barn, no hangover. Yes. <laughs> How many people have fallen for that one? Is that a myth? Uh, right. Okay. Shall I just do it straight away? I mean, myth. I mean, myth. Really? Yeah. Because I subscribe to this one. Really? Yeah. Okay. No. Um. So, mainly the problem is here is that people often get drunk in barns. We've all we've all got drunk in a barn for the sake. Like I mean, like me. Uh. That's that's you know a regular Tuesday is getting drunk in a barn. Um. <laughs> What happens is usually then people wake up in the barn the next day mm-hmm. and what happens is they're too they're too disorientated and they've got too much to sort of deal with um, to, to sort of acknowledge that they've got a hangover. Um, right. You know, because of the various things to do. If, well, for starters, obviously, if it isn't your barn and, you know, countryside laws dictate that if you stay more than, um, you know, three nights in someone's barn, you have to be their scarecrow for the rest of your life. So people are like, how many how many days has this been? They're panicking. Uh, they want to get out. You don't realise you've got a hangover. You don't even feel it. So that's that's kind of, that's where that myth came from. But so you're saying that people are, are, are so worried that they're going to become a scarecrow. Yes. Yeah. Um, and maybe they look down and they see a bit of um, hay poking out of the out of their collar or out of their cuff, and they think, they oh, it's, it's happening. Yep. Yeah, and they have to run, and then they start running, and then obviously, you know, that gets the blood pumping. That starts clearing the head anyway. And uh, by the time they've sort of they've got away from the barn, they uh, they don't think they've got a hangover, but they you know they did, they just didn't realise it. So in a way, I I, get, I know what you're saying. I know I know you're scientific. You know, you're a doctor. You're scientifically yeah. telling us why this works. Yeah. But it works. I mean. So is it, yes. it? What I'm saying is, is that a myth? And you know, you're telling us it works. Really, you're just saying it works for reasons we don't think about so much. You know. It depends what you, you know. Yeah. The times I've woken up after a, a, a long night drinking in a barn. I'd say about half the time the barn's on fire. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, of course. I'm thinking about that more than my hangover. And certainly it's hard mm-hmm. to it's certainly hard to to separate the effects of smoke inhalation from a hangover. Definitely. So, you, you know, are you saying that that's what's going on there? 
So yes, basically, he usually the um, the process of falling asleep and waking up in a barn, having got drunk in it, yields uh, enough trauma that the the effects of the hangover basically pale into insignificance to whatever you're now dealing with. Mm. Whether it's the, the fact that you've just committed arson, whether it's the fact that you could spend the rest of your life as sort of a hay beast uh, whose job it is to sort of look over the the fields of England. So so really, what you end up doing is just you know it depends what you prefer. Would you prefer to wake up? Feel a bit groggy, go downstairs, watch some repeats of Frasier and um, have some cornflakes. Or would you prefer to sort of be running as fast as you can before either you're caught by the authorities or by a very old law, which means that you have to stay stationary uh, for the rest of your life. But do you see what I mean about the myth is is real? It's not a myth because it works. It does. It does technically work but not in the way it's sort of suggested, if, if that makes sense. So I think it's another partially busted, partially trusted. Partially busted, partially trusted. No! Will he make it, Doctor? It's too early to say. After all, it's always Christmas somewhere. Okay, and finally, connected to that last one. Oh, yeah. Have sex in a barn, no pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Ah, that was just true. Uh, no one knows why, but um, no one has ever been conceived in a barn. Uh, so, so yeah. So that's a true, that's not a myth. Uh, not a myth, 100% true. And that is, I am a medical doctor, myth, myth upheld. Myth trusted. Yes. Myth trusted. stupid old asshole after all. And finally, Dr. Sam, the survey uncovered quite a lot of confusion, maybe, about what exactly a kidney stone is. And I wondered whether you could clear that up and, and yeah, just tell us tell us what is a kidney stone? A kidney stone is, is a gift from a vengeful god, given in return for a life of wanton sin, calumny, lust, envy and greed. A righteous gift of justice, uh, wrapped not in colourful paper, but in tender kidney meat. Okay. A kidney stone is a gift from a vengeful god. Given in return for a life of wanton sin Calumny, lust, envy and greed The righteous gift of justice Wrapped not in colourful paper But in tender kidney meat A big thanks to Dr Sam Archer for that interview. And if you'd like to see Dr. Sam in the flesh, he is currently touring a live version of his hit TV show, 24 Hours to Save My Genitals, live on ice. The tour begins at London's O2 Arena before visiting Madison Square Garden, the Parthenon, the Great Wall of China, the Taj Mahal and Aylesbury Leisure Centre. Aylesbury! Tickets start at £140, but if you have a visible genital ailment and a pair of ice skates, you can get in for free. So that's all we've got time for this month. But if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to the website now, where you'll find all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we show you how to make a salmon sandwich without any salmon or bread. So, until next time, beef out. Thanks to Linnea Sage and Tom Neenan. 
Hi, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. And the three of us host The Flophouse. It's a podcast where we watch a new bad movie and then we talk about it. Dan, you say it's hosted by the three of us. We've had a lot of great guest co-hosts like Gillian Flynn, Jamel Bowie, John Hodgman, Jessica Williams, Wyatt Cenac, Joe Bob Briggs, Josh Gondelman, Roman Mars. Yeah, and you said new movies. But what about the time we did Meatballs 2? Okay, okay. Yeah, sometimes we do older movies and sometimes we have guests, but mostly it's about us talking about like recent bad movies. And don't forget about the ones where I made you do a role-playing game where you played cartoon dogs. All right, yeah. But... Shouldn't a promo be a really simple explanation about what our show's about? So what's the show about, Dan? What's it about? <laughs> what's it about? It's about friendship, all right? It's about our friendship and how we love each other. The Flophouse. It's a podcast mostly about bad movies on Maximum Fun. Do you sometimes wonder whatever happened to the kids at your school who really loved Star Trek? You might remember a kid like me, the one who read the Star Trek novels and built Starship models. I also took music classes to avoid taking gym classes that required showering after, but I don't see what that really has to do with- Or a kid like me. I introduced myself to kids at my summer camp one year as Wesley, but when the school year started and some of those kids were in my new class, I actually had to explain to my friends that I had tried to take on the identity of my favorite Star Trek character. The shame haunts me to this day. I'm sure some of those Star Trek fans from your childhood grew up to have interesting and productive lives, but we ended up being podcasters. On The Greatest Discovery, you'll hear what happens to two lifelong Star Trek fans who didn't grow up to be great people, but just grew up to be people who love jokes as much as they love Trek. So listen to our new episodes every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.